that decision, the liberty that you have, is not to be wielded for your sake. It is not about you, it's about others. It's about loving others as we have been loved by God. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Serving Christ in Healthcare podcast. I'm glad that you're here with us today. We're going to read today 1 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to go through this chapter, see what God has for us in it, and see how we can apply this to our lives, to our work, and to our work in healthcare specifically. So we're going to start by reading 1 Corinthians chapter 8. This is in the ESV, so let me read that for you now. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, there are 13 verses. Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence, and that there is no God but one. For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. However, not all possess this knowledge, but some, through former association with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled." Food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat, and no better off if we do. But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged if his conscience is weak to eat food offered to idols? And so by your knowledge this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died." Thus sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. So there we go. That is 1 Corinthians chapter 8, talking about food offered to idols. So let's just get a little context here. Paul is speaking to the Corinthian church. Now, the Corinthians have brought this up to Paul because Paul quotes them. When he says, quote, all of us possess knowledge and, uh, quote, an idol has no real existence, things like that. So Paul is addressing something the Corinthian church has brought up to him. What they have brought up to him is that a lot of the meat, and I think this was common back then, a lot of the meat that you could purchase, that you could eat, was meat that had been offered to a pagan idol. And so the Corinthian church is saying, this, some people are saying that this is okay because those idols are really not gods. They're nothing. They're just made by human hands. So to eat food that was sacrificed to one of them is really not that big a deal. But then there are others who, it seems, have are having their consciences defiled, where maybe they had a close association with these pagan temples or these pagan idols. And so to actually eat food that's offered to them, it, it defiles their conscience. They're, they're weak in their faith. They're, they're newer believers, probably. And so they can't reconcile those two things. And having had such a close experience with those idols in the past leads them to want to go down those paths again. 
it's similar to, let's say, someone who was an alcoholic. And so they got counseling, they got free of alcohol, and they don't drink anymore. Not even one sip. And so that person, we would not encourage that person to go to the bar and just, just hang out. You don't have to have a drink, just hang out at the bar. Or to go hang out with all the old friends that he used to drink with. We wouldn't encourage those things because of the relationship it has to a former sinful aspect of life. And so for some of these Corinthians, they can't take this. They, they see other people in their church eating food sacrificed to idols and they're like, they can't make sense of it. And it's people who are more mature than them, more mature Christians, and they're, they're seeing them eating this food that had been offered to idols and they can't make sense of it, and they're tempted to go along with them. They're like, well, these people must know. They're more mature than I am. They must know better, so maybe I shouldn't go with them. But that would defile their conscience, because deep down they know that those associations that they formerly had were not of God, and so they don't want to go back into them, lest their consciences be defiled. So that's kind of the context we have here. So Paul starts out by addressing the fact that they brought up this food offered titles. And what he says is that all of us possess knowledge. And so what he's saying about this knowledge, and he fleshes it out, fleshes it out here. This knowledge is that if you eat food offered to an idol, that is not a big deal. It doesn't commend you to God if you eat. It doesn't commend you to God if you do not eat. You're no worse off one way or the other. Because we know, as Christians, that idols are nothing. And so to eat meat that has been sacrificed to one is of no consequence that we can do that freely. This is the knowledge he's referring to. But he says something about knowledge that I think we need to understand and take to our hearts is that knowledge puffs up. Knowledge makes us arrogant because we think we know better than someone else. And so we become self-exalted when we believe that we know the truth that others do not know. So it is apparent here that some people in the Corinthian church have this knowledge. And it's true. It's not that it's false. It is true. But this knowledge is working in sinful ways in their hearts. It is puffing them up and they are then lording this knowledge over others and causing others to stumble by their own beliefs, which are true beliefs, but they're causing others to stumble by it. And so Paul starts out with the ground underneath this whole passage, in order to interpret it all, we need to understand these things. That knowledge puffs up. Knowledge makes us proud. We need to remember that, especially those of us who work in healthcare, where generally we've had a large amount of education, and we do have some larger amount of, quote, knowledge about certain things. We need to remember that knowledge puffs up. Knowledge will make us proud. So we need to keep a tab on what is our knowledge doing to our attitudes of ourselves? What is our knowledge doing to our attitudes toward others? Because if it is making us proud, if it is leading us to lord knowledge over other people, regardless of what it does to them, regardless of what it does to their faith, whether it builds them up or breaks them down, whether or not it is a witness to them of who Christ is, that's a problem. Knowledge puffs up. But, Paul says, love builds up. So, he has these two things competing. He has knowledge and love. Now, you can have both, but love needs to be the channel through which our knowledge flows. It needs to flow through love towards others. 
The knowledge should not be self-exalting, right, to puff up ourselves, but it should flow through love to build up others. Knowledge puffs up ourselves, but love builds up others. So we are either exalting ourselves or exalting others. Our knowledge can be used in either of these two ways, to exalt our own self or to flow through love to others. And so Paul is saying, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And he wants us to know here as well, the limits of our so-called knowledge. If we think we're really smart, we think we know something, we think that we have it all wrapped up, we have a perfect understanding of this or that, Paul wants us to know something. He has a message for you right now and for me right now. It says in verse 2, If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. This has been a powerful verse in my life to say, listen, you think that you have it all together. You think that you know exactly all the contours of this topic. You think you know about the Bible. You think you know this doctrine. You think you know about God. And you may, you may have true knowledge, but you do not yet know as you ought to know. Your knowledge is limited. That ought to humble us to say, okay, I have a knowledge of some truth here that I'm trying to apply to my life. But it is not to the point that God would have it to be. It is not at the point where I know as I ought to know. If you think you know something, you do not yet know as you ought to know. You have more to learn. That ought to humble us. And that humility then will allow our knowledge to flow out through love. Because Remember, if we are in pride, we are puffed up because of our knowledge. But if we are humbled by the fact that we don't know as we ought to know, our knowledge that we do have will then flow through love to exalt others, to build up others. So, if anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. In our work in healthcare, we could be an expert in some field, a so-called expert. But if you imagine that you know something, you do not yet know as you ought to know. And I think the gist of this is that we could have all the book knowledge. We could know all the facts. But what we do not fully understand is how to apply those facts to real life, how to apply what we know in love towards others. Here, the Corinthians, they knew something. They knew true knowledge. But they did not know as they ought to know because they did not know how to apply that knowledge in their relationships with other people. They were using that knowledge inappropriately. And so we may have book smarts, we may know facts, but if we are not using them appropriately, that knowledge is worthless. In fact, one proverb that always strikes me is Proverbs 27, 14. It says, if someone blesses his neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning, he will be counted as cursing. If one blesses his neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning, he will be counted as cursing. What that says is that the way in which you use knowledge, the way in which you say things, even if they are true things, even if they are good things, even if you are blessing your neighbor, the way in which you say it, the context in which you say it matters. And it will then turn that knowledge into false knowledge. It will turn that blessing into a curse. And so the way we use our words, the way we use our knowledge, and the truth that we know matters hugely. It matters so much. And Paul undergirds the, 
balance between love and knowledge here in verse 3 by saying, if anyone loves God, he is known by God. And that's, a, that's the true knowledge. That is the knowledge that we want in our lives is we want to be known by God. We want to love God, to be known by him. And it is only in that relationship with God that we can then love others. So the summary of this, this entire passage, we have that beginning part about love and knowledge. And the point Paul wants to make in this whole passage is that the knowledge of what does or does not commend us to God can puff us up to cause a brother to stumble. And that's what he's getting at. He's saying, do not use your knowledge to cause others to stumble. What matters is love. How you use the truth you know matters. It must be used to serve others. And then he also says, but love recognizes the limits of our knowledge and it lays aside our, quote, rights for the purpose of building others up. So knowledge alone is ineffective. Here, the Corinthians had knowledge. They knew that food offered to idols is nothing. But not everyone knows that. Not everyone knows that in their hearts. People will be led to stumble by seeing the things that you're doing. So think, think of that. Think of some things in your life, maybe, that, that you're doing that might be causing someone else to stumble, even though they're not inherently wrong. I think the alcohol example is probably the most relatable one, where if someone used to be an alcoholic, they're not anymore, they're clean, they don't drink at all, we wouldn't consider bringing them to a bar and saying, well, you don't have to drink, I'm going to sit here and drink though. We wouldn't consider doing that for the sake of them, for their sake and their conscience sake. We don't want to lead them to stumble. And so though we know that we can, we can drink alcohol, it's not a sin, we can do it, but out of love, we might abstain with someone else so that we will not cause them to stumble. So the Corinthians knew that food offered idols is whatever, but not everyone knows that. And so Paul is, is urging them to lay aside what they know so that they might love those who do not know. To lay aside their, quote, rights in order to love others. So some were wielding their knowledge, though it was true knowledge. Remember, knowledge, even though it is true, can still be used in hate towards others. Some were wielding their knowledge in a way that was harmful to others. It was leading others to stumble. And so Paul says, take care in verse nine, take care that this right of yours does not become a stumbling block to the weak. So what he is saying is that our rights and quote rights are quote rights, things that are not sin. They do not commend us to God if we partake or if we abstain. We're not worse off if we do or don't. Those are the kind of rights he's referring to. So he's saying that our rights are not to be wielded for our own sake, but for the sake of others. You have rights as a Christian. As a Christian, there are things that you have the liberty to say yes or no to. Neither way commends you to God one way or the other. However, that decision, the liberty that you have, is not to be wielded for your sake. It is not about you, it's about others. It's about loving others as we have been loved by God. And as he knows us. Him knowing us, our relationship with him, then flows out of us to others. And so, I've heard it said before that the greatest freedom that we have 
is the freedom to lay down our freedoms for the love of others. That's what we as Christians have that others do not have. We have the freedom to lay down our rights for the love of others, for the sake of others. So that is what Paul is getting at here. He's saying, your rights are not to be used for your own sake, but for the sake of others. You know that you have certain rights. Not everyone knows this. And you need to know, Corinthians, and we need to know that truth can be used in hateful ways. If the Corinthians know that they're causing other people to stumble, that they are not leading people to a greater knowledge of God, if they're using their knowledge in those ways, their truth in those ways, it is hate. It is hate to use your knowledge in, the, in those ways. We need to love others by laying aside our rights, by looking at our knowledge with the right view, understanding that our knowledge is incomplete, but that our knowledge must work through love. It must not make us conceited. And so we can think of things where people are wielding truth in all kinds of ways that dishonor God. You think about some of the debates that Christians will have about, you know, the end times or whatever, random things like that. And they wield the truth that they believe they know in ungodly ways. They use it to puff themselves up. They do not use it to build others up. Now, there are many that do it very well. There are. But there are some who use the knowledge that they have to cut down other people. And that is completely antithetical to the gospel and to this chapter here. Where Paul is saying, your knowledge is irrelevant if it does not serve others. Your knowledge is nothing. Now, there are a lot of people, especially in healthcare, who have a lot of so-called knowledge, who understand a lot of things. But if they are not funneling that knowledge to the love of others, which no one who believes in Christ, excuse me, which no one who does not believe in Christ is doing, if their knowledge is just building themselves up, what kind of knowledge is that? God is saying, that knowledge is nothing. And we saw earlier in 1 Corinthians, it's folly to God. Someone who is one of the brightest people in the world could be one of the most foolish people in the world because that knowledge is incomplete. That knowledge is nothing because it is serving only themselves. True knowledge serves others. And if we're going to wield truth in ungodly ways, that is going to be a disaster to the gospel. That's going to bring down your witness. And so I can think of ways, as we apply this to, to work, I can think of ways at work where I can use my knowledge to build myself up or to build others up. Sometimes, if there are things where I could do this or do that, where we have options at work, where we could make one choice or another, neither of them is sin, neither of them commends us to God, doesn't matter if we do or we don't, Sometimes we'll be led to make a decision that will be a better witness to others. Now here I'm specifically thinking about unbelievers. But for example, when we think about abortion and we think about the levels of responsibility in it, the people that are involved. So obviously we have the first rate people involved, the abortionists doing the actual procedure, or we have um, doctors writing prescriptions for abortive pills. We have pharmacists like myself now receiving a prescription 
for an abortive pill. We have people, we have a cashier selling the prescription to them. We have different levels of responsibility in the process. And so for me, when I have to think about the decision, am I going to fill this prescription for this or not? I believe that I could do either in good conscience. I think that I could do either. That I'm not, that I'm distanced enough that my responsibility in it would not be dishonoring to God. And honestly, at that point, it's going to get done anyway. So for me to have an, have an opportunity to talk to said person, I think would make my conscience clear. However, the decision that I have actually made is that I will not take part in that. And one of the reasons why I've decided that is so that I can be a witness to my coworkers who do not, who either are, are weaker believers or who do not believe in God at all. It's a, it's a witness to them so that they would not stumble because I don't want them to see me filling pills for abortive patients and thinking, oh, okay, I guess all that stuff is okay. No, I want, I want what my actions teach to be very clear. And so I do abstain. I do not take part in that. And that leads me to be able to have a conversation with them to say, this is why I'm not doing it. It builds them up. I think it's a greater testimony to them to be clear to them. I know in my, in my conscience what I could or cannot do, they do not. And so I, need, I want my actions to teach clearly. And I think we have a lot of opportunities to do this in our lives and in healthcare. And I think this is a theme that we can apply to other areas too. There are many things where we could do one or the other. And many times I think abstaining from what the culture would consider just fine will be a better witness. And I think that is the case because what happens then is when someone asks you to participate or asks you about it, you can say, no, I don't participate in that. I don't do that. I abstain from that. And this is why. And it opens an opportunity for you to share your, your convictions about God, about Jesus, and how that has shaped your attitude towards whatever it is you're talking about. So the point is this. We are to lay aside our rights, quote, rights to be a better witness. We are to keep guard over our knowledge so that instead of puffing up, it flows through love to others to build others up. We must lay aside our freedoms, our religious liberties, our, quote, rights that we have. We must lay them aside to build others up. That's what God would have us do. So that is 1 Corinthians chapter 8. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can send them in to the show at servingchristinhealthcare at gmail.com. Servingchristinhealthcare at gmail.com. I'm glad that you're with us today. Thank you for listening. Have a great day and God bless your work.